Juice coating got me tripping. Ice lemonade, my neck is dripping. Uh, good Sunday morning to you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I uh, have promised you before that I would not sing on the podcast. I appear unable to keep that promise. That was a uh, a rap song that's popular right now, or I guess probably was popular a month or two ago called Lemonade. Um, and I, you know what I realized is I'm a big hip hop fan. Anybody knows me knows DJ Ripster in the house. You know, hip hop music. Uh, white kid from the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. Really, not even the suburbs, more the rural area outside of the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. So, of course, grew up listening to hardcore rap music. And I've always really, really loved hip-hop music. And uh, actually, what got me into radio at the beginning was John Carroll University didn't have any hip-hop uh, shows on their radio station. And so I was like, let me play hip-hop. That would be cool, because every time I would walk by the radio station when I was like a freshman and sophomore in college, they were always playing like, you know garage emo indie punk music <laughs> and i was like let me play hip-hop man it's an urban citizen cleveland and cleveland at the time only had the one hip-hop station z1079 i remember one of my biggest highlights ever was i got to go we had this guy named jay fresh who was like a weekend dj at z1079 and he was a community member of the wjcu John Carroll radio station and I convinced him to let me go and sit in on one of his Sunday shifts at Z1079 and that was the coolest that was like one of my first ever experiences with commercial radio and being around that was really really cool um, anyway in my new car I have satellite radio and I have to admit I've been really digging satellite radio I had it I really dug it back in the day like originally in, Cle in Cleveland, my late college years, once I started getting involved in, in radio, I loved Howard Stern. And so when Howard went to Sirius in 2006, I became a big Sirius guy, got Sirius Radio and had it for a few years, really, and really kept it all the way up through probably 2012-ish or so. And I was a big satellite radio listener. And then just, you know, I let it go away. And especially with the advent of podcasts and things like that, I was like, okay, um, you know, podcasts will kind of kill off satellite, I think, maybe between FM radio and podcasts, I'm going to get everything I want. But now that I have satellite radio back in the car, I'm like, yes. And anyway, the whole reason I'm even on this little rant here that I didn't plan on going on was because that song that I, for some reason, decided to sing at the beginning of this podcast was uh, is a newer rap song. And I had kind of started to hate new rap. I was like anybody else where I had my little... I had my little bubble of like 1995 through 2010 hip hop music. And that was my 15 years. Anything in that 15 years, I was like, yes, this is my jam. And anything after that, I was like, no, new rap sucks. But now I've been listening to a lot of like newer hip hop music. And I'm like, damn, it's pretty good again. Because hip hop went through this thing where it was like mumble rap for a while. You know, and it, it, it was just a beat, and then they, like, mumbled over the beat, and now they're back to doing some melodies, and there's some interesting beats out there. Anyway, sorry, it's far, way too far into hip-hop music for this podcast. I don't think a lot of you are with me on that one, so I will, uh, I'll stop. Now, if you hear background noise, that is because there is a hardcore play date going on downstairs right now between my son and um, one of my mother-in-law's foster children. Uh, I've, I've mentioned that on uh, over the years, I think, that my mother-in-law has been a foster mother for years and years and years, and right now she has a house full. I think she's got like six kids right now, 
at her house. She's really a wonderful lady. Huge heart, loves raising children, best grandmother you're ever going to find, maybe next to my own mother, and just uh, just really, 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 Leo's really lucky to have her. But anyway, there's a play date going on downstairs because we have we have uh, kind of secured our little circles for the new COVID outbreak here. We have taken our circles and kind of made vows to each other that we're not going to break our little circles. And, you know, my mother-in-law is obviously in the circle, and so are her foster children. So um, we're just excited for Leo to get some interaction. That's the one thing about this goddamn coronavirus has been my poor kid has not had the interaction with other kids that he normally would have had during normal times. You know, he's not been around a lot of kids. We have a couple neighbors that he's he played with a little over the summer. And uh, obviously the foster girl that's here right now that's that's hanging out with Leo. Like, he gets some interaction. It's not completely null, but he's getting a lot less than he would have would have or should have. So, anyway, if you hear background noise, that's what that is. We, we kind of we, we shrunk our circles. It's just us through the holidays, through Thanksgiving. Um you know we're we're not going to Ohio like we always do for Thanksgiving. We're staying in Rochester, and and Thanksgiving's gonna be me, Ryan, and Leo. That's it. I'm cooking, taking my first crack at Thanksgiving, which actually leads me into another story. I went to Twitter about a week ago, and I said we have made the extraordinarily difficult decision to not see family this Thanksgiving, which means I will be making Thanksgiving dinner for the first time ever. Fun fact, I actually one time like 12 years ago on a random Saturday in July when I lived alone and first moved to Rochester, I legitimately like made an entire Thanksgiving dinner just to see if I could do it. But it, that was one time. <laughs> and if you're wondering, did he make that just for himself? Yes, I act absolutely just for myself in my little apartment in Rochester in like my first year of living here. I just wanted to swing and see if I could hit a Thanksgiving dinner and it was okay. It was fine. Anyway, so I put that on Twitter. I get a phone call this week, two, three days ago from a woman who introduces herself as being a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. And I'm like, what? And she says, look, I have this idea for a story. She says, Wall Street Journal does mostly business, but we also want to do some lifestyle pieces. And I'm one of the people who gets to do lifestyle pieces. And I had this idea for an angle on a story where because people are not traveling so much this year, uh, there's a lot of people making Thanksgiving dinner for the first time. And she said she had just searched the Internet and searched Twitter. And I guess whatever word she used to search, my tweet came up. And then you know how free I've been about my uh, phone number all these years. I've got my cell phone number right there in my Twitter profile. So she literally called me. And because I've had my cell phone number out all these years, my number's on every jar of sauce we sell. It's on our website. It's on my social media. I answer pretty much any phone call as long as I'm not busy. And so I just happen to answer this random Massachusetts number. And there's this lady who says, I'm a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. Can I talk to you about your Thanksgiving plans? And I'll kind of leave it there. Just, uh, you know, no, we did a whole thing. She called, she interviewed me for like 15 minutes. She talked to Ryan for five minutes and then she had to send her a picture. So I, it, nothing has come out yet, at least as I record this Saturday afternoon. But um, apparently we're going to be in the Wall Street Journal. I don't know. We'll see. I, I usually don't like to talk about these things until they actually happen. But one of the deals with this podcast is I'm going to be a little more uh, vulnerable than I normally would be and tell you things I normally wouldn't tell. Uh, I'm not going to put that in writing or anything, but here it is, Wall Street Journal. There's apparently a story coming with us in it. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'll believe it when I see it. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. That's the thing. But this podcast, I had to make some choices. And I've been I've been kind of driving around recently in my head wondering if I made the right choices with this podcast. Early, early on, like week three of this podcast, I made a decision to make this podcast something that would never feel like work to me. I said that the number one thing this podcast cannot become is work. It has to be fun. It's, you know, I squeezed radio out of my life because for the most part, it had become no longer fun. And the only part of radio I like is this. It's talking. It's connecting to you. So the the podcast has got to be fun. But as a nat- as the nature of it just being fun, there's some stuff that's missing from this podcast. For example, I'm doing these deep dives into topics that, you know, half the people or probably more like 90% of people don't give a shit about. Like, for example, last week, magic. We talked hardcore magic for an hour, me and Anthony Prosciutti. Guess what? I freaking loved it. But I've heard from a few people it wasn't their favorite podcast because who cares, you know, how many people love magic? Not that many, right? So I thought about it early on. I was like, look, I could do this podcast. I could really, you know, try and land big interviews. I remember back uh, the first few weekends of the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer in the city. I thought, you know... I could go down there with my podcast equipment and and probably knock out some great episodes down there talking to people. You know, I have a personal connection to Lovely Warren. I thought, you know, I could probably call in a favor with Lovely and get like the exclusive interview with Lovely on this podcast. But it's all work. You know, that's all work. That's that's a Friday night of leaving my home and going downtown. And that's a, you know, that's calling in favors and then having to have these these tough conversations with people who I'd rather just keep in the friend category. So I made a decision and I say, you know what, the podcast, it it, it just can never turn into work. And also, by the way, let's put it this way. I have a job and my job is enough work. I don't need any more work. And honestly, it wouldn't be fair to my job if this became work. So for that reason, I tell you, you know, look, I, I, I do think this podcast could be better if I was treating it the way I used to treat my job as a producer in radio, chasing the big story, trying to get the big guest, et cetera, et cetera, it's just not going to be that. So I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I guess I'm just trying to give you my, my unfiltered thoughts. I'm more telling myself all this right now. I think, I think these are, this is what's happening right now. Live is just me, all the thoughts that have been in my head as I've been driving around town for the last few days thinking about this podcast, it's like, I'm just spewing it out saying, you know what? The choice has been made. I only want this podcast to be something that I do because it's fun and nothing to do with work. You know, people will ask me all the time if I miss radio and I always tell them I I really don't, but I do miss doing that one hour food show on Wham. Which by the way, just to set the record straight, I offered to keep doing that show and I got turned down. I said, I'll keep doing that show, I'll turn it in. The the thing is, people don't realize, I can record that show on my own equipment, the equipment that I'm doing this show on right now. By the way, I bought this equipment myself. My, My old radio company did not buy me any of this equipment, but I did plenty of my shows on this equipment that aired on the radio. So it's absolutely doable, it's been done many times by me with this equipment. And I offered, I said, I'll keep doing that show. I told him, I go, you know, you have to pay me for it. I'll just keep doing it because I'm going to do a podcast. And and that was my option was going to be, look, I'll either do that one. I'll keep doing that one hour food show. And if they say no to me for that, 
I'll just do this podcast. Um, and they said no. So, well, I shouldn't say they said no. They literally just didn't answer me. And I asked like three times. So that was kind of the MO of that management team, though. It was either we'll give you an answer or if we don't have a good answer, we'll just ignore you. <laughs> That's sad how that rolled. Anyway, so look out for us coming to the Wall Street Journal, apparently. Uh, another note before we move on, Detroit-style pizza. I'm all in. Thank you to Peels on Wheels. Thank you to Tracy Schumacher. And thank you to Will Cleveland. The three of them have championed this Detroit-style pizza thing to the point where I said, God damn it, give me some Detroit-style pizza. I tried it. It's fantastic. Actually, when I interviewed Peels on this podcast a couple months ago, he brought Detroit-style pizza to the factory, and we all got to try a piece. And then I went to Pizza Wizard recently and got some. I got some from Radio Social, does a good one, uh, uh, Detroit-style. Detroit-style, I guess, is kind of like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like Chicago deep-dish pizza is... Everybody knows that, right? It's like in a cake pan, and it's almost like you're having a pie instead of a pizza. With Detroit-style pizza, there's a certain kind of pan, and there's a lot more treatment paid attention to the crust. So you get more of a crisp, flavorful crust as opposed to just dough, like what the Chicago is all about, what the fillings are. Uh, with Detroit, you're getting you're getting a treatment to the crust. You're getting a little more bread, too. It's a thick pizza for sure. Not so much like Chicago deep dish where you're getting an inch or two of toppings. Uh, with Detroit style, you eat that inch or two. It's still deep pizza, but it's it's more dough than fi- than um, toppings. But you get that treatment to the crust. It's just so goddamn good, so good. If you haven't had Detroit style pizza yet, give it a shot. Pizza Wizard on um, is it on Clint? I think it's on Clinton. Yeah, pizza. But just look up Pizza Wizard. They're good. With- and by the way, they are fast too. I mean, they are getting pounded right now because they're the coolest thing in food. But Pizza Wizard has had a 20-minute wait every time I've ordered food. They've had my stuff ready in 20 minutes. So, uh, Final topic before we move into the actual podcast here is that the Buffalo Bills are legit. I am here to say it. Josh Allen's legit. The Bills are legit. They're a good football team. The Cleveland Browns are not legit. They are not a good football team. The Cleveland Browns have – I will say that they have – I believe they have raised themselves to the level of mediocrity. I do believe the Browns have a chance to win every Sunday. But here's the difference. I believe the Buffalo Bills will win every Sunday. And there's a difference. I'm looking at the Bills' schedule, and I'm looking ahead, and I'm going, what game is on this schedule that the Bills aren't going to win? You know, there's one. The big one is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh on a Sunday night. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's the big one everyone's looking at and saying, look, that's the tough game. And it is, but I'm not going into that game thinking the Bills need a miracle to win or hoping the Bills win and knowing that they really need things to go their way. I believe if the Bills play well, they're every bit a good enough team to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not the case with the Browns. With the Browns, it's more like there's enough talent on this team to win some games. If things go their way and they catch a lucky break or two, they could win a game. With the Bills, I actually believe they're going to win every Sunday. I I mean, I got to tell you something. This Bills team is dangerous. This Bills team is absolutely playoff bound. That's that's without a doubt. I think they're deep playoff bound. I think this is a Buffalo Bills team that is going to see themselves play. Sure, I, they'll get challenged. They're not the only good team in the NFL. I mean, there will be challenges for them. And in the AFC, they're going to have to go through Kansas City. Right, They'll have Pittsburgh. There's always Baltimore. You can't sleep on Baltimore. 
But really, between those three teams, I'm sitting here looking at the Bills going, look, the Bills can beat any of those teams. They can beat them. And it'll just come down to who wins on that given Sunday when the playoffs come around. But I have every reason to believe the Buffalo Bills can beat any team in the NFL this year. And that's the difference between any other year. Last couple of years with the Bills, it was like they're clearly getting better, but I just don't believe that they're in that upper echelon. They are in that upper echelon. All right, let's get to the podcast. So this is actually a uh, um, a panel that I was on. This is a panel that I was supposed to be on. It was supposed to be a live event uh, at a, a spot co-work where it was going to be a entrepreneurial entrepreneurial um, panel, and it ended up being canceled, obviously due to COVID. And so they decided to just put it out as a sort of an MP3 track. And and uh, you'll you'll hear all the details about who put together the panel and why it's being put together in just a moment when you uh, hear that part of the podcast. But basically, uh, I just decided to take it and turn it into my podcast, A, to help them promote it, and B, because I thought it was interesting content. You know, it's me. It's the dude from uh, Faircraft Brow House, which is the new brewery in Fairport. It's the dude from uh, Agnes Wine Cellars. And then another guy who was in the hand sanitizer business since 2010. And obviously his world got flipped, turned upside down like the Fresh Prince here with uh, COVID. And so he had some interesting perspectives too. But here's our conversation. It was recorded too. I should give a shout out at Rock Vox Recording in Bushnell's Basin. This is another dude like me who recently left radio. Scott Fitzgerald used to work at Stevens Media. He left radio to pursue his own entrepreneurial dreams. So I got mad love for him, mad respect for him. His studios are beautiful. And this was recorded there. Uh, Please enjoy. Thanks for listening. Now, the show dedicated to showcasing the best and brightest in business, big and small. Now, welcome the host, founding partner of Freedom Sports and Entertainment and the Freedom Digital Network from Rock Vox Studios in Rochester, New York, Mark Washoe. All right. Thank you, Scott, uh, from Rockvox Studios. Much appreciated. Appreciate the intro. And uh, tonight we have a, a special discussion and panel of, of guests that have come to the studio here in um, Rochester, New York. We were supposed to be at the uh, second Startup Summit at uh, Spot Cowork, but um, unfortunately because of the uptick in the COVID-19 cases here in Monroe County, where we're based out of, uh, we were kind of getting our in-person attendance uh, numbers shrunk a little bit. So we decided to um, reschedule and postpone to hopefully later in the spring or summer 2021 when hopefully 
the vaccine will be out and uh, we'll be back a little bit more uh, normal. But uh, we decided it was such a great uh, bunch of panelists that I had assembled for today's discussion that we just wanted to get everybody together and we're going to do this in a virtual manner. So um, so here's here's what we have here this evening. This is uh, called Pandemic Proof Product Marketing, so as much as things can be pandemic proof these days. But um, we have David Weaver. He's the founder and CEO of Aphex BioCleanse sy Systems. We also have uh, Rochester's own Polly Guglielmo, who uh, almost needs no introduction here in Rochester. He's the founder and CEO of Guglielmo Sauce and also Permac Enterprises. Plus, we have Mateus West. He is the co-founder and CEO of Faircroft Brewhouse in Fairport, New York. I got to work on my German. And um, also to moderate, moderate the session is um, Randy Agnes from Agnes Wine Cellar. So. Randy's going to moderate uh, today's discussion, but before we go, just a mini brief bio on uh, Agnes Wine Cellars. It was established in 2016 as a licensed farm winery in New York State. Early success with 2015 Vintage included top five ratings with Wine Spectator and Wine Enthusiast, Best New Wine in America with Beverage Industry What Magazine, and Wine of the Month with Bartender Magazine. Recently, Agne Agnes Wine Cellars was nominated for New York State Winery of the Year has become the fastest growing Riesling in the Finger Lakes, certainly one of my favorites. The new winery tasting will be opening in 2021. Randy Agnes is the winemaker and majority partner. So Randy, uh, thanks for coming in, thanks for moderating. Um, but before we get to the questions with um, our special guests and panelists tonight, why don't you just give us a quick update on Agnes Wine Cellars and everything that you've been doing uh, since I guess the pandemic started uh, this earlier this year? Well. Yeah, our business obviously suffered just like other businesses. Uh, without having restaurants and bars open, half our clientele were, were on the sidelines. And without being able to do wine tastings inside of the liquor stores and wine shops across the state, that also you know did a little bit of a, a hard push on, on sales. But uh, we're coming back now. We're stronger. Um, we've now restarted wine tastings. This is the first winery in New York State to be able to do so. And our restaurant clients are now coming back, but not as strong as uh, we expected. And we're hoping that, you know, that, as you mentioned, that this uh, pandemic ends shortly because we'd really like to get those, those people that are really hurting and in, in the wine in, in the wine business and their respect to bars and restaurants, they uh, they really need help. And uh, surprisingly, when you look at the number of people that actually work in that industry, it's a very very high percentage of the workers uh, across the state. So they're a vital vital industry for us to have operating and operating. You know, so that way they can be profitable. Great. Well, thanks, Randy, for the intro. And Thank you. so, um, go ahead. Why don't you uh, take take the discussion from here? Sure. Well, the first question is going to be directed to Polly Guglielmo, and I, I did say that correct. I hope because I, I know you a long enough time. Leadoff hitter. I love it. Let's do <laughs> sure. So we've heard of many potential entrepreneurs' approach. You often uh, state that you have to have a great recipe or product to get started a grandmother's favorite sauce or a hot sauce that's just a favorite among many people. The difference between those are how can you make a great recipe and product or idea and those that are actually um, possible to convert into a, a viable you know, business. Uh, it's, it sounds like 
an easy idea. Oh, I've got this great, you know, item, but how do you make that conversion? That's that's the big question. Um, you know, it just happened today. I was at Rubino's picking up uh, 20 pounds of cheese for a sauce we're making, and Mikey Roberti works at Rubino's. He says to me, he goes, I've got this mayo aioli thing that I want to put in a bottle. And so I go, give me a t- give me a, let me see a little bit of it. I take it back. We test it. So the scientific answer to what you're saying is you test it. Right. We're looking at things like pH, which is acidity. You know, we, we kind of have different categories of things where we know, you know, tomato sauces, for example, very easy. This was a mayonnaise base. What Roberti's talking about, it's got egg yolk in it. So it's a little bit more complicated. I won't bore people with the answer to that. But then as far as I think the other part of the question, what you're asking is who's going to actually be able to take off with it it's you know people think maybe just they have a great recipe just means everything is going to happen for them just because they have a great recipe so a lot of times when i'm talking to people if they believe if, if they're just doing this because they think they're going to make money at it or if they just think uh that they're bored they're looking for something to do a lot of times i think eh, you know, I don't there's a lot of great recipes out there but when somebody is already thinking about the sales about what how are they going to go out into the world sell this thing and they have questions about what comes next how do i get into this store that store how do i make sure it sells through once it gets into that store that's usually when i realize i'm talking to somebody who has a better chance of taking it running with it and being successful just a quick question how many years did you actually work to develop the recipe that you're working the number of recipes is that just an ongoing process you're talking about my my own for myself yeah i mean the you know the bs answer is wow you know my grand the great depression era my great grandmother (laughs) the truth is you know i I mean i learned how to make it for my grandpa when i was younger and then the actual development from like i'm making it commercially to actually it's on the shelf took like six months and you can go a lot faster than that you know i was just learning so i didn't know what i was doing that's fantastic yeah. I, I i regularly buy your sauce in fact that's the thank only you. sauce that i use for everything right now oh it's, thank you very much and uh that's actually a requirement of the panel here today so i don't know if the other panelists can <laughs> well the other thing is when we when we open up our winery uh, tasting room we're going to carry your sauce in there because i think it's just a great product made in new york state so hey, thank yeah. you very, I, I love you this is great <laughs> our next question goes to a Former, uh, I want to say former friend, but uh, uh, <laughs> a current friend of for, uh, a, a former uh, soccer referee, which I had been, uh, David Weaver. Uh, Dave, many great products ideas come from identifying a solution to a problem, or identifying a need, then coming up with the ideas on how to solve the problem. What problem or need existed in the sanitizer and disinfecting business? which led you to start up uh, the Apex uh, product line and of, of sanitizers. And, and how, did, how complex was the product to, to bring to the market? Well, that's a that's a great uh, opening for me. Uh, I hate to be the I wanted to be the leadoff hitter, but uh, <laughs> sorry, Paul. Gotta have speed. Yeah, I know, I know. And and you got a great truck, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> that's what I need. Um, the uh, company started. Uh, looking at uh, the problem back in 2010. And the real problem existed in the fact that people uh, were using uh, isopropyl alcohol as a hand sanitizer. Uh, They were also using a lot of hard, harsh chemicals like chlorine, parasitic acids, uh, hydrogen peroxide, and it just seemed like there was was an absolute need for a product that was water-based. So we we decided to look at a way, 
at least in my chemistry background, a way to take hydrogen ions and attach them to water droplets. That has been done over time. People have always heard of hydronium and, and things like that. But the hydronium or, or, uh, or any other types of solutions were always temporary. They would only last for minutes, maybe an hour, and then it was gone. So I wanted to make it more permanent. Uh, our product, uh, once we create it in our factory, will last forever. It never degrades. So um, the hand sanitizer today uh, that you buy doesn't have an expiration date, so you don't have to worry about it. Can you leave it in your car? Yes, you can. Can you leave it in your truck? Yes, you can. Doesn't care what temperature it is. Doesn't care if it freezes. Doesn't care if it gets to you know 180 degrees. It really doesn't care. The hydrogen will not leave the water droplets, so you protect it all along. Um, so that was one of the things that we we did. What, what I found out along the way is that uh, the way we're the uh, hydrogen is attached to water droplets is actually a trade secret, and uh, we don't want to share that with anybody. Uh-huh. So our big challenge is how to get it out in the world without sharing how to make it. Um, you don't want to cr- write a patent, because if you create a patent, you got to say uh, A, B, C, D, E equals this. And you, know, you give the secret away, the Chinese will steal it. Now, the good news is, our product is 500,000 times more effective than chlorine. Think of that. 500,000 times more effective. Yeah. That's pretty good. We kill uh, coronavirus. We've done testing on uh, other uh, germs and pathogens like MRSA, uh, listeria, uh, you, you name it, uh, uh, any, any kind of uh, pathogen, uh, yeast, uh, fung- fungi uh, or molds, we, we take care of that. And we found out along the way we, we have a little sideline product that kills bugs, pests. It'll kill black flies. It'll work in your vineyards. It'll kill any of the uh, hairy aphids that you might have trouble with or any type of fungi that you might get on your uh, grapes. Uh, so there's a, a, a multifaceted way for the company to, to make money. And uh, I'm, con- I'm continuing every day to improve the product. Uh, you know, it's only been 10 years, and there's probably 40 more years worth of uh, improvements to make. So um, it's a challenge, and I love it. So, Just a quick question again to follow up. You know, how do you get this out to people to say know about it in the marketplace? Well, that's it. That's uh <laughs> That's what all marketing and sales is all about. <laughs> and uh, it has been difficult because we run up across uh, roadblocks. Uh, with the pandemic, we sold a lot of product. I mean, uh, I, I, was, I was joking with my, my group. I said, what we really need, this was last December, I said, what we really need is a pandemic. I didn't know it was around. But if you look at history, there's a pandemic every two years. So I wasn't wrong. There's going to be another one next fall. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be another one next fall. What we have to do is convince people that the, the water-based product is far superior, um, and when you use it, uh, you don't need to – yeah, and it's soft. It doesn't uh, destroy your, your skin cells. I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfect product. We need to get uh, Purell and the ice, uh, all the isopropyl alcohol products uh, pushed aside in people's minds and switched over. America is just so slow. You know, they don't like right. to change. Well, you know, well, as a chemist, you know, the, the chemicals you're talking about are, are ones that you usually are wearing gloves for. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're putting this directly on their skin and, and attacking the epidermal layer. 
Um, whereas being water-based, you know, that sounds so much safer, mm. especially as, as parents worry about their kids and whatnot. Yes, that's true. Very true. So uh, we're, uh, uh, I, I, I've demonstrated uh, before, and I would, I, I, I would love to do it sometime when we're alone <laughs> or in another group. Uh, I actually will drink the product. <laughs> okay. It's water. It's, it's, it's water. By the definition of the EPA, what, what I sell is considered water. So even though it's got an extra hydrogen ion on there, the hydrogen ion is looking to get away. That's 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 the key to killing germs. That would be great in a sales pitch. Well, you, you're sell, yes. you know, you, you give me that whole sales pitch, and then at the end, you just take it out and start drinking it. Man, damn, no, that's I, awesome. I try to I try to do it early in the in in the meetings because I tell people if uh, if I if it's going to affect me some way, like yeah, I'm going to throw up or get sick or die, right. I, I want to do it in front of you. Well, but, but it is stable. It is stable. It's stable. Yes. So. Yeah, like I know Polly's product from so many samples I've had of it, and I uh-huh. just, it's easy yeah. to know what it is, and it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. That, it is like, a good product. This is when it, when it's something that's you know basically you know such a effective agent mm-hmm. um it, 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 it to me is the the key is getting the word out to the public to say this is really the best alternative that's out there yes it is so, yeah we're working on it well thank you so much mm-hmm. i'm gonna go over to matthias 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 <laughs> i gotta get this ready i have too many too many m's too many t's um <laughs> But uh, this is cool. Um, I love the idea that you've got a brewery. That is so cool. So um, it's called Faircraft Brewhouse. Uh, not all great products come from solving a problem or identifying a need. In some instances, it's a passion. You know, it's a, a passionate thing that you want to do and you get into it, um, or a hobby. Uh, how did you come about with the concept for Faircraft Brewhouse, and how did you decide on which types of beer to brew? Um, in the absence or additions, are you uh, bringing this to the Fairport community? I think I've already seen this in the Fairport community. So I live in Fairport, so I, I know I know of you. I've seen the, the signs that you're you're up and going. Um, but can you give us a little background on, on how you decided to get involved in, into this business and, you know, what you decided to, to do with it? Yeah, sure, certainly. And thanks for the opportunity. And um, so the situation was uh, another brewery, really? Do we need another one? So take a look at it, how many there are in the county. Um, then take a look at, like, what are the differentiators? Take a look at, it all goes down to, and I think uh, David said it already, it's marketing. And marketing is, is not advertising, it is like know your market. Know what the market has and what it doesn't have. And what you wanna do and what you wanna bring to it and what is your differentiator. So back to your question in terms of the passion play, um, that's really something where I have to admit I'm passionate about beer, right? So, but that led to an opportunity and the opportunity is that's why I'm one of the co-founders um, our uh, head brewer, Steve Langren, and my business partner as well, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Reimer, and the three of us, we have basically had this idea in 2016. Uh, Steve was a very passionate brewer and made fantastic beers. As a Uniha member of the upstate New York uh, Home Brewers Association, he was doing this for 20 years. He worked at Custom Brew Crafters for, for many years, and he was a, a very good, passionate uh, home brewer, garage brewer. And um, at some point, his, his, uh, 
his endeavors just didn't crystallize into a professional brewery. And, you know, at some point I said, hey, look, if, if you would like to try something, I have an idea, I have a concept. I think I have an idea where that should happen, um, meaning know your market. And we did realize at the time uh, Seven Stories wasn't up yet. For example, we had just one brewery on the uh, east side of the county. Um, and we said, look, look, Fairport, yes, it's, it's, it's an up-and-coming village. Um, it is uh, situated in the southeast quadrant of the county. Um, again, market is market research. Uh, marketing is market research. Um, and you have Pittsford, Penfield, Parenton, but you have also Gananda, you have Victor, you have Bushnell's Basin, you have uh, Brighton, and people are coming down from Webster, no problem. We had actually people come from Buffalo to try unique styles. And just to, to reach out to the, or, or to get to the next uh, point, what kind of beers and what kind of products do we want to bring? Well, first of all, there's a product, then there is also an experience we want to offer, and then you have to have a concept that combines this. And a concept is simply literally fair craft. Fair craft stands for fair port, fair trade, um, but like craft as in craft beers, but also as in music and arts. And okay. so fair craft was really something that wasn't existing per se. So we have the, the rights, it's a trademark and, and registered and all uh, for certain things and products. And, uh, well, Brauhaus, Brauhaus is just the German word for brew house or, or the tap room of a brewery. And um, it's, it's phonetically close enough that everybody will understand it's a, a brew house. Uh, but the Faircraft Brauhaus has some name recognition by now, we hope. And uh, to make a long story short, our product portfolio wanted to be unique. We have six beers on the uh, classical European side or European styles. And we will have also, or we feature six beers on the, on the American side. Um, you know, the craft brewing scene is, is ever changing and developing. Um, we have uh, classics like a West Coast IPA, not the cloudy New England stuff that's so hip and, and you gotta have it, it's fantastic, we love it. But like, there are some old styles that, that are long lost. There's nothing wrong with a good old pale ale made with local ingredients out of, let's say, Batavia Bluffs or, or like, uh, Chimney Bluffs, sorry, Batavia and, uh, and, and other upstate New York Finger Lake regions. But then there are also some classic lager styles, Pilsners, Helles, Kölsch, Alt, Hefeweizen, all those beers that um, you may have to make with specific ingredients. I mean, a Pilsner or Quell is a fantastic Pilsner style, but certain things require, like you can't make California red wine with Finger Lakes grapes. You, you can, it's, it's sometimes done, but it's not California red wine, and Finger Lakes wines have very different characteristics. Well, one thing things. I do know about beer is that it's delicious. <laughs> the other thing I know about it is that if you're making a lager or a pilsner, you're taking a lot longer time to produce. You've got to go through cold stabilization and cold filtering, and it's about twice as long to produce than an IPA, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you're very correct that it takes much longer. It's actually four times as long. Four times um, as long, okay. Every beer, um, or it, most beers, take about like two weeks for fermentation. Ten, ten days, two, week, two, two weeks, something like that. Um, then there is another six weeks of lagering process. This is when you're cold maturing the beer. That's when you're aging it, when you give it time. Some things get better with age. So um, the lager beers do, just get more mellow. They have some time. They have their time. And, um, it, and then you have some unique styles like uh, we just released a, a Dusseldorf Alt beer, the Old Sinner. 
Um, the alt beer style is technically a, a hybrid. It's it's an ale that is being lagered. Mm. Um, it's it's very subtle maltiness um, and nice bitter and dry finish. So uh, darker beers don't have to be sweet. This is a copper color. But uh, the lager beers are setting us apart. They're that's, huge sellers. That's, that's the big question is, you know, uh, Polly's got these great sauces. Obviously, with the sanitizers, you got a unique process and a great product. Beer is a lot tougher, I think, isn't it? Because you've got, like, I know in New York State, there's, I think now, 460 breweries across the state. What speci- Are there specifics in taste that are drawing people to your, to your beers more than what you anticipated? Or was that the goal, was to, to have some really unique things? To have some really unique things is paired with the whole concept. So the concept should be really an experience. And by experience, I mean... There is, a, a, we will have a grand piano. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be, um, you know, live performances when the pandemic is over. Um, we will give it an audience. There will be art exhibits. Um, so you can actually get inspired by either meeting your friends and enjoying some arts, listening to some great music, enjoying a good beer. But then there need to be some authenticity uh, discoveries, meaning like some really unique styles that sets you apart, some really interesting flavors. That's for the beers and, and for the food as well. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, wanted to make this work out. And um, most breweries, they have maybe one or two lagers because, uh, as you know, they have to tie up a tank in additional six weeks. In this time, additional. So that means eight weeks in total, maybe. If they don't have lager tanks, they do it in a fermenter. That means you make four ales in the time it takes to make one lager. Well, turnaround time, production guys, we we know that goes. You know, it's time is money. So the next question is really up for the whole group. Um, just chime in, try and separate a little bit so that way we can get not over-talking each other. But what advice would you give to a potential startup company or entrepreneur who might have a great idea, a great product idea? What steps would they take to bring this to life? And, and what pitfalls could they anticipate as well? And this is for, for any of you who can chime in. Mine could be quick. Start, start. Just start. Because if you don't start somewhere, you're not going anywhere. That's it. Yep. That's my whole answer. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. If you don't get going, it, it, it uh, takes you years. Uh, with Apex, uh, I had a lot of advisors that said, don't bring your product to market because as soon as you do, you're going to be sued by the big companies like Clorox and you know, Gojo, which owns Perel and things like that, because they don't want you in the marketplace. Did it so, happen at all? No, but no. but we lost years on that uh, strategy, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which which wasn't the right thing to do. I, I think we should have had more of a, a legal uh, yeah, yeah, advice yeah. on. Um, it took me nine years to figure out that I didn't want a patent, that I really wanted uh-huh. to keep it as a trade secret. So it would have been nicer if I knew that year one versus year nine. So yeah. Well, I know personally, from my point of view, I, I took three years before I actually went to market because, you know, like like Polly says, you got to perfect what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I was starting with scratch. Um, what was your experience with you have, beer? I, I would agree with the two gentlemen that uh, just said it. I you have to start at some point, and you always have to make adjustments. Um, you uh, would probably be the only one that has planned for a real pandemic, like a bad pandemic, like we have right now. You got to make adjustments. Uh, your concept changes. Um, your surroundings are changing. Your market changes on you. Um, you know, you can have a, a high demand for a disinfectant, and mm-hmm. you can have 
less or more competition for your product, um, at some point you got to start and you got to adjust and you got to make things happening and you will make mistakes. So don't hesitate forever. The, the worst ideas are the ones that have never been tried. I mean, you got to get going at some point. Yeah, I love. I actually, I want to piggyback on that. I love that because the pivot. You know, that's the key word, the pivot, right? Everyone calls it the entrepreneurial pivot. But also, I want to talk about the roller coaster. You just made me think of that. It is like to start a business. How some days you just think that you are on to the best idea ever, and then the next day you are going. What in the hell am I doing here? <laughs> this is not working. Right. I mean, if we all experience that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you just go through, you have to survive both of those uh, the highs and the lows and and be right. ready to pivot like you said. Yeah. And a very important thing is it's always cyclical. It the, we don't know the amplitude. Like there are some things that that are really you you got to wing it. However, um, you will have ups and downs for sure. You will have supply and demand. Um, I mean, look at it. Like we had recessions uh, in 2001. Um, we were coming through some, you know, years where business plans. Well, why do you start this now? Someone told me when I was in aerospace automotive tooling. Well, well, we don't let like a terrorist attack change our business plans. We just have to adjust them. So then you come into a recession in 2008, 2009. I have seen a lot of my customers, let's say in the greater Detroit area, really struggle with situations of um, being underfunded or like they kind of like if they had to pay all the vendors, they, they would have been like no cash flow. They had cash flow problems, basically. Yeah. That that particular time, 2009, that recession was, in my opinion, primarily a cash flow problem. And the ones that had like enough reserves or they weren't depending on getting paid on time by everybody else, they would survive. Um, long story short, uh, you got to get through this and uh, the big advice I would give is try to be diversified. Diversified meaning, you know, if, if you do something like in the tooling, like, okay, you focus on aerospace, you focus on automotive, you focus on machinery, you focus on medical. So if you have that spectrum, that's great because what happened? Automotive industry took a hit. The order books of the 787 on the Boeing, they're full. So like that did not impact them. Right now with the pandemic, and the whole travel behavior that has changed. Of course, the airline industry, at least for commercial, has changed. Military, different story. I mean, sure. that's a whole different conversation we could have on that one, but be diversified as an entrepreneur. F find maybe a couple of products. Not everybody drinks beer, right? Offer some good wines, offer some ciders. Um, not everybody needs constantly tomato sauce, right? Uh, I disagree. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got pizza sauce, too. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Um, and I agree with you. I think every every brewery should have a great wine, and the Finger Lakes is filled with them, so you're, yes. it's easy, easy pickings. Yes. Um, let me go on to the next series of questions. I'm going to go back to Polly this time. Um, why did you, and I, I, don't, I don't know the answer, so I don't know uh, why would you leave such a high-profile job that you had in a, a great radio career uh, on the Brother Wee show, which was very popular, and you, and you, you, you pivot 
a, a really a strong pivot into the sauce, and, <laughs> yeah. and I don't even know what Permac does, but it sounds like it's fantastic. Permac's just a manufacturer. Technically, I own two different businesses, Guglielmo Sauce, a line of pasta sauces. Right. Permac is the facility oh, where sure. everything is okay. manufactured. Oh, okay. So we're what's considered a co-packer. Yes. Uh, we, you can come to us with recipes. We can put them together for you and help you get them into the market, basically. Um, so what was it? Was it the, the, there was a key point, though, that said, I'm, I'm ready to, to switch over into this business fully. Okay. You right. What do you want? The three, the, the two minute answer or the 45 minute answer? Cause I got the, the two versions of the, um, I'll, I'll give you the short one. So basically, uh, I loved radio. I actually still like radio. I still do a podcast. Like I don't, I, I listen to the radio. I love it. But the thing is I started doing this sauce thing and I started having the experience, the high of being an entrepreneur and running my own business. Yes. And you know, in radio, I was working for the man, you know, it was, it was a corporation and uh, you know it, it, there was this thing where they were both they were both going well for a while and then over the last couple of years i started to realize one of these two things i'm going to have to fully commit to right and uh on the radio side it was like well what if they give me my own radio show Th then i could fully commit to that and then i could kind of the sauce could just kind of be a hobby or on the other side it was like well i could do manufacturing it's basically what i'm doing right now I'll, I'll buy the manufacturing place and become my own manufacturer but i have to leave radio in that case and uh in the last nine months that i worked at the radio station Everything just started. Ever, I could just everything was going negative. I mean, the radio business right now not an amazing business to get into if you're like looking at it on paper. It's not exactly. It almost got to the point towards the end where you know people are like, "What do you do for a living?" I'd be like, "Radio," and they'd be like, "Well, you're on the radio, like in the old days, you know." Well, like, you can't eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Well, yeah. the other thing that had to help is that the sauce was taking off. It was taking right? off, yeah. So, so I thought of it like I got these two pots of of water, and one of them is going to boil at some point radio or sauce and eventually sauce was really boiling but what made it even easier is then 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 the radio started to really just kind of fizzle out because i started getting all yeah you know, I, I basically lost faith in my management I, I i had creative differences i i didn't i just didn't trust them anymore you know and and so i just started to go boy i I think I got to make a move here. You know, I, I'm ready to get out of here. So I, it, it, it kind of sounds bad. That's why, like, the short version of this is bad, because if I give examples, but Matthias will fall asleep if I give examples. So it'd be a little boring. Yeah. Fitz will love it, but I'll give, you know, maybe I'll tell him afterwards. But, you know, I just basically started to realize, look, it, radio might not be for me anymore, and sauce is taken off. I think I have to recognize that this is the moment I'm in right now and do that. Was there one big account that pushed you over the top or no? Yeah, on the sauce side, you mean? Yes. Like, no. Not really. It was uh, I was really fed up with radio, and I went out to visit this guy who owned this factory, and I got talking to him about what his plans were. This is Coach Tony, who everyone knows him as Tony yeah. Perry, and uh, I I, he, I just asked him like, "What are you going to do?" Because he was an older gentleman. Sure. And I just, "What are you going to do? Are you going to retire? I mean, what are you going to do with this place?" And he uh, he told me, he "Goes, what are you asking me?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, would you hear an offer?" And uh, and he said yes. And you know, long story short, a few months later, the thing was coming to fruition yeah yeah you know i always looked at it if you're not having any fun yeah. get the hell out yeah you gotta have fun with whatever you're doing that was if it at the end yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, when i when i turned 50 i decided i'm gonna have fun from now on yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. But that's know? so true i'm so glad you bring that up because that's where i was looking and then the other thing about this is and this sucks because now i'm talking bad about people but like there were 
I was realizing people around me weren't having fun either. I'm going, this is radio. This is supposed to be fun. And everyone here is just angry. <laughs> so well, I was like, I got to get out of this. If yeah. you lose your passion, yeah. then yeah. it's time to change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because other things were get yeah. jealous. Yeah. It sounds like everyone here in this table have a, a real passion. And that that is the key, I think, too. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that passion just comes out in everything you do. Yep. Um, I'm going to pivot to Dave Weaver again for yep. a second. What can you tell us about proprietary uh, sanitizers and the disinfectant products and which is the base solution for all your products? Um, it sounds like the base solution is what's called the universal solution, which is water. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, we call it high IQ. Okay. Uh, we are currently uh, in the application process with the FDA to make high IQ an active ingredient. Okay, uh-huh. and uh, it will be grass approved at some point here as soon as the government wakes up and figures out they need to, to move on, on certain things. So all our products will have a base solution of high IQ water. And uh, we decided to call it high IQ water instead of some other names uh, because uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's just catchy. I like, you know? I like the name having I, water in there because it sounds safer than yep. when you look at some of the ingredient lists mm-hmm. on the other thing. It's like, do I really want to put that on my hands or my body or anything else? That's so, right. It, no, that's, that's, that's excellent. I think, you know, I'm a, a big fan of water. <laughs> yeah, and we're, uh, we, we went public here on August 1st. Um, and uh, we're, we're our trading symbol. Once we finally get uh, the government to wake up again through uh, through uh, Finra, uh, w- our trading symbol will be high IQ. That's nice. So perfect. Uh, perfect. Yep. Uh, Matthias, and this question is going to go to you. Um, actually, a question for all of us, but I think uh, you'll I'll, I'll pivot to you because you have the next. Uh, this this is related to COVID. Once the COVID vaccine is readily available, assuming that things will turn back to normal. What are the longer-term plans for a Faircraft Brewer House, and, and what what can patrons expect uh, from from your grand piano and your open space? I, I have to come by and visit. I'm 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 a neighbor. I, I'm gonna have to come by and see this. Well, what yeah, we've only us? been open for five months, so maybe you can <laughs> swing by this evening. We're actually still open. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's nice. So what 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 plans in social media? Because I I'm not a social media person. My daughter does my social media. <laughs> yeah, no, we had um, several articles and in, in, uh, news, TV, and and uh, newspapers and and so on. Um, also, certainly social media, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Uh, but no, what are our plans? Our plans are clearly to offer that experience that I mentioned earlier. Um, we will be. As far as I know, and I've traveled the country quite a bit, um, the only brewery that has a Steinway Grand Piano. Um, So this will be a well-tuned piano because my business partner, Jeff Reimer, is actually a Steinway-trained piano piano technician and and piano (laughs) tuner. So uh, we have the connections to the music scene, certainly, uh, from from jazz and classic. And um, actually, our head brewer has a a degree from Eastman and uh, School of Music. And um, so we will offer a lot of different experiences uh, in terms of um, music as 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 a contributing um, uh, experience and as well as arts, um, so we are welcoming local artists. 
Um, we will have a big wall of arts and a lot of space, a lot of natural daylight in which you can really then um, enjoy the, the local artists' um, exhibitions. So we'll try to have little vernissage uh, exhibit of like maybe four or six weeks. Um, the artists uh, can then, you know, advertise, hey, come see my, my, my latest work. Um, and we certainly don't mind if you enjoy a beverage with that. Um, so I think it's a win-win situation for everybody. Um, it brings people in, it brings people around, and, and then overall the development is, is, is fantastic. I mean, the old American can factory is, is in it by itself, an, an amazing building, and um, something that really deserves to be redeveloped. Um, so to our business, um, we will basically have um, this experience of like 12 different beers paired with some good food authenticity there will always be three classics on either side the american side and the european side and always three on each side discoveries so there will be your dependables you can fall back on if you don't feel like trying something new and that can be oh there's the latest release oh i want to try that so both worlds are are covered and uh, literally worlds um and and also the curiosity is there so there is a reason to come back we'll have a nice uh, Stein Club pretty soon, uh, which will be um, the the stoneware is um, designed by a local artist, Brooke Malakia, and um, that'll be an exclusive offering that we're going to go public with pretty soon. And um, yeah, then you can enjoy music, friends, beers. So you must be looking forward to Fairport Canal Days and the Fairport Music Festival coming back online in 2021. We're looking forward to that, to the Oktoberfest that we this year had organized uh, with, um, you know, a partner, Swan Market, um, as a drive through event. And it was actually organized by the Fairport Parent and Partnership. And uh, so this was an event that really worked. But this is the best we all could do to get through this. People had a craving for this. Um, they wanted it. We wanted to make sure it's safe because, you know what, we all have to come out on the other side of this pandemic. And so your question was about, like, what are we trying to do? We want to give the experience we always wanted to offer. We just have to be a little bit more patient, and we have to make it through this year. So right now, you know, rent, um, investment, uh, meaning, you know, build out, uh, doing some things gradually. Some things are more important than others. We just have to get to the finish line. And that's a good point for entrepreneurs and startup companies. You know, there's got to be a certain amount of capital for the unexpected um, that's got to be set aside. I mean, you, you don't know exactly the plan on how it's going to go forward, if it's going to ramp up very fast or it's going to take a while to, to get uh, the product recognized by the market. So, you know, having, having that additional cash on hand is definitely important or have a line of credit kind of thing developed so that way you can, you know, make those expansions. I mean, you know, going to from your your operation poly to to full operating plant. I mean, that's a big step for a lot of companies. I mean, the meetings a couple times a week we're having meetings about what are we going to buy, when are we going to buy it, where are we going to get the money to buy it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that that's ongoing conversation. I mean, the problem for many entrepreneurs is probably one of the biggest ones is funding, mm. and funding is like, do you bring it? Do you put your own house on the line? Do you have funding from you know venture capital, uh, shareholders, um, banks? Well. Quite frankly, a lot of those models are not that entrepreneur friendly because they say, well, you can get a line of credit with us if we can see the last two years. Wait a second. It's an entrepreneurial business. There are no two years of records, right? So what are you going to do? Put your own stuff on the line or get creative. 
Right. Well, I know, like for us, um, we're we're working on SBA line of credit, which is not a small business administration, and they want the last three years taxes, you know, even to be considered. Yeah, but so, you haven't started yet, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You, you know, for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, they they've got to have that additional outlet of, yeah. of having access to to capital. Yeah, and I can I can tell you every time I've gone to the bank as an entrepreneurial and asked for money, they said, "Well, I'll loan you. How much money you have in the bank? <laughs> you know, I got a hundred dollars. Well, I'll loan you a hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, they won't loan you anything. It's 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 a uh, it's a waste of time. So you you need to find uh, partners. Good I mean, partners. I have done business development in in, mm-hmm. in North America um, to some degree, but also in Europe, and I can tell you it it really depends. Even within the United States, there are mm-hmm. states like Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Michigan. Um, and even like Ontario and Canada, they have very different concepts. And, it, you know, not, you know, cheap energy is good and so on and so forth. But that's not everything. Right. That's that's a, maybe sometimes a big part of it. But like you have to find a way of really getting some funding. And um, unfortunately for small business and startups. Yeah. Again, they say, yeah, sure. What, what is your what is the collateral here? Like. Mm-hmm. What, what can you do to back this up? Mm-hmm. Because the banks, they don't want to take the risk. Yep. Once they see three years of tax returns or, or, or business uh, or checking business account data, then they're like, oh, yeah, we want it. You know what, quite frankly, then we're not really interested in it. And the hard part for most people, and you guys probably know this, the, the first year is really the critical year for make or break of a new business. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get over that first year. And then can you get over that second year? And once you get into the third, now we're in our, fourth, our fifth year. I mean, it feels, it feels now exactly like what Polly is talking about. You know, what can we buy? What we can't we buy? What do we need? Uh, those kind of things. But the last question is going to kind of wrap it up for us. Um, how can people learn about your companies, the line of products, um, where they can find them? Um, what social media guys that you use to, to get out there? Uh, I'll start with you, Polly. You, your your product is is as far as I know everywhere and every store I could ever go to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can you can Google Googly Almo Sauce or Permac Enterprises, but legit, my cell phone number is five eight five three five zero five seven eight eight. It's on every jar of sauce. It's on this show now. I used to say it on the air when I was in radio. Five eight five three five zero five seven eight eight. Call me, text me anytime. The thing I'll tell everyone is um, when and I shop at Wegmans and Tops and and Aldi's and all the different stores. Uh, um, the key is if you don't see it on the shelf, let them know that you don't see it on the shelf. Oh yeah, that'd be huge. Thank you, you know, yeah. <laughs> go out there and, and don't be don't be a passive customer. Be an active customer. If you like it, and I really like the sauce. If they don't have the kind I want, I'll go up there and ask them. Thank you, man. Yeah, and I, so. I, I, I noticed on your website you had uh, you, you have your wine on at McCardle's. Yes. So I got to get my wife because we go there uh, quite frequently. I have to get her to, to order. We we have actually a super fan from McCardle's, mm-hmm. uh, and we recognized him, mm-hmm. um, and he actually got us into other places as well because. Uh, being in memberships and, and clubs and organizations, I, I know Paul. You go into into restaurants trying to, you know, get them to convert yeah. over. Um, well, we're institutions too. We've got U of R, RIT. Use our right. Both use our which is yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. I'll go to you, Dave. Um, how can we find your product? Because I I don't know where it is, and so and I I'm very interested in, in getting some of this. Yeah, we just uh, launched today on our website uh, our our first product for sale. It's called VegFX, and it's a fruit and vegetable wash. You can go to our website and order it. 
um, we, we've uh, set up PayPal to, to collect the payments for. Nice. And uh, that's the uh, we, we, we had it before, uh, many, many years ago, we were selling hand sanitizers, but you can never make enough money in a little bottle to ship it. It costs more to ship than the <laughs> you can make. So uh, this is a this is a very nice product as, uh, that uh, we're, we've got EPA approval um, to, to uh to start selling the product, and uh, we're excited to, to see that. Uh, we do have a website, www.afexus, for United States.com. Uh, we're up on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, so, we, are, are you looking like Polly has as far as looking at uh, more, uh, I don't want to call them institutional customers, but the larger volume consumers? What we our our goal is to to sell our product through distributors. Okay. So we like to sell what we call tankers and totes. Uh, we don't really want to get into the uh, you know, bottling uh, business because sure. that's very complex. You've got to have uh, you know a lot of storage and a lot yeah. of forward thinking. So we're trying to work with distributors that will do that for us. We have two major distributors in Europe that are selling the product right now. Oh, really? Uh, the uh, the Europeans uh, have embraced water-based uh, sanitizers faster than uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, folks. Uh, they just U.S. just doesn't. You know, it's like my wife. She loves Chardonnay. I can't get her to drink much else but Chardonnay. You know, it's, it's, you just can't change. People just don't change. When they start using your sauce, they'll never change, you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah the, getting them to try it for the first time, time. is the, is the, the hard part. It's the single hardest part. Yeah, yeah, innovation will often be discussed, but like it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. What you said earlier is like it's so slow sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work really in, in, in capex of like machine technology, et cetera, yeah. and it is very hard to change some of the habits and like really be open to to uh, new concepts um, because well we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, here's the problem: if you don't turn around faster, your competition will. Yep, that's true. Very true. So, if I may add, like, where to oh. find our product? Well, yeah, in Fairport, exactly. um, uh, on Main do, Street. Do you, do you, <laughs> I have to ask this question because I, I write about the industry. I've got a weekly column. Um, do you send your kegs on vacation to other breweries and, and switch off with other people? Uh, that's an interesting uh, concept. Um, they do that, basically, it's kind of like uh, when... When another brewery takes over the taps or, or like one or two of them. Uh, at this point, we have not been part of this. Um, we also don't go with distribution yet simply because we are very, very small. We have maybe a big space, but our um, system is actually not a, allowing us to produce the quantities. So let me put it this way. Um, for the entrepreneurs, again, know your market. Know, know what you want to cover. Right. Um, I'm not ruling out that we are expanding. I'm not ruling out that we get a bigger system. But, like, on one hand, you got to get started at some point. You said that earlier. Um, on the other hand, good advice um, is walk before you run. And, yeah. you know, think about it. Um, you need to know where your profit margin is. And your profit margin, if you have to work with distribution, it's a whole different markup. Uh, if you have to polish doorknobs, going door to door, or going bar to bar, or going to uh, a retailer to retailer, it's, again, a very different concept. It really depends on what is it for you. So tap rooms are, are profitable. We need those to survive that. And we don't have the capacity right now to, to produce for others. We had golf clubs. We had like uh, events. We had other bars asking if we can um, 
offer them kegs. And I said, as, as soon as we can keep up with our own production, uh, we can talk about it. Which, we'll adjust which, that. which won't be too long. It, it sounds like you're going to be expanding on a, on a rapid basis, just like the rest of us had seen. Yep. You know, it's just a matter of time. Uh, and, you know, what, what I see, the benefit of that is it gives you wider distribution without having to open more locations. Right. I mean, you know? we want to basically ramp up. We have already expansion space. Right. We want to make sure that we, um, can, we can actually grow height-wise and we can also grow uh, space-wise. We have the space already within the limits, so expansion. Again, I come from plant management perspective. Um, I've, I've been in manufacturing. And um, so you, production flow is important. Um, expansion space is important. And don't be wedged in because, you know, next doors, right of refusal, or if you don't have a direction where your business can expand to, and I'm, I'm talking about physically, um, then, then you're, you're, you're pinched in. Now you have to go on the green meadow. Well, that's not what we want. We want to be in Fairport. We want to be local. We want to be there. And then if, if we're successful and, and, and the demand is there for more, fine. Right now we want you to enjoy it with us. Just okay. so everyone knows for me, um, you know, agneswinesellers.com is our website. We're, we're updating it. We will have an ability to do online sales uh, where you can order as if you're ordering from Amazon or anyone else. That's coming online soon. Our Facebook uh, page, uh, Agnes Wine Cellars. We are actually, every Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we've been doing Facebook Live virtual wine tastings at the restaurants around the area, trying to help promote the restaurants and also promote the, the wines of the Finger Lakes. So we We've tasted, I should say, I've tasted, you know, 54 Rieslings uh, in the 27 weeks. And it's it's fun to learn how you, uh, your neighbors mm-hmm. and the Finger Lakes. And we have now over 90 um, wine shops, liquor stores that want to be known as Finger Lakes friendly. And we think that's a great idea, too. So, you know, we're small, um, but there's some things we can do as being small. Uh, and, and what you can do as a public is support local. You know, we're all local businesses here. Um, we're not major size businesses. We're all, you know, just growing and getting bigger. But, you know, come out and support. You know, that's that's how it, how it works. You know, we're your neighbors. We're your friends. You know, and, and we make some really, really cool products. And uh, hopefully that's been recognized with this and, you know, the help from Mark and what he's doing with this radio show. So I'm going to turn it back over to Mark. Uh, yeah. Let you wrap up the evening. I think this has been a great discussion. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, hey, Randy, thank you so much. So, first of all, Polly, you know, the radio personality in the room, I was like, we should have had Polly moderate. But, Randy, <laughs> I must say, you and you, so you stepped in and did a, a tremendous job. Thank you very much. I thank wouldn't you. be good. I'm uh, rusty. <laughs> we have, um, so look, it was just, man, I just want to thank each of you for coming in. I mean, I know we were supposed to be at the Startup Summit, which was supposed to be alive. And by the way, I, did, we, I want to slip one in because we're, we're kind of out of time, but. 30 seconds or less. This comes from Ashley from Spot Cowork. She, uh, they were going to be one of the event sponsors tonight. She just wants to know real quick, when you guys hit those roadblocks and pitfalls as an entrepreneur and you're like, man, like you said, Polly, you know, some days you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. What, what do you guys do to, for motivation, inspiration to kind of keep chugging ahead and get things back on track? This I is mean, so depressing. It's so depressing what my answer is, <laughs> okay. but it's true. Legitimately, my answer is just survive to tomorrow. Just get to tomorrow. Because it'll be better. That's a. <laughs> I, I want to say something similar, Paula, because I I've had a, a, a series of a little bit of bad luck. Yeah. Um. You know, with some things like my my car getting hit and, oh, and getting a, you know a, a case of Bell's palsy, which came out of nowhere. Um. 
But then the next day, I open up Wine Spectator and we get an 87 point rating. So, go. I mean, you know, you can't predict that these things are going to happen. You know, just like you said, you're going to have to roll with the punches, yeah. you know, take it day by day. There's a sun comes up again and, you know, start up and, and do the same thing over again. I, you know, for as many places that have said yes to us to carrying our wine, the same number have said no. Um, and for whatever reasons, it's hard to pre- explain. And you, you know, Polly, you mm. know, it's, it's, you go in there and you, you say, you know, I got this great thing and you think that this is going to be the, the greatest <laughs> show in the world. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go on to the next job and the next, the next uh, spot. Yeah. So. Like I could, you give me Wegmans, Tops, Whole Foods, <laughs> Stop and Shop, uh, Price Chopper. And then I'll walk into a deli in Greece and the guy will be like, nah, looks like it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. But but to give another answer, you know, giving up is not an option. No. Yeah. Number yeah. one. And number two is when you fall down, dust yourself off, keep running, right? Yeah. So, and this is how you learn. You got to adjust. You got to take the punches uh, or, or try to avoid them um, as good as you can. But like giving up is not the option because you will hit roadblocks and, you know, just got to get through this and look at it as a stress test. If you pass it, good. If you don't... You know, something else would have given you a tough time. So it's easier said than done. And I'm not sure that we all see the end of this. I'm I'm positive we will, but, you know, I'm not sure when. So let's give it a try. And, and I think I think a lot of us have had good mentorship, good partners, uh, people that we can talk to. Um, you know, I know in my community, in the Finger Lakes, uh, there's there, it's collaboration and, and we're all in this together. Come on, Randy, you just like good wine. (laughs) 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 Thirst, hunger. Uh, Yeah, whatever. I know you're trying to rap. I'll give you the most entrepreneurial thing I'll do today (laughs) is I just would like to be Fitz's agent for a second here at Rock Fox. Time and a half. (laughs) We're in time and a half right now. That's right. That's right. I'll leave you alone. He'll dink us on the back end. Definitely. Dave, did you want to chime in real quick, 10 seconds or so? Or you, these guys said it as well as you can say. Well, no, the way I look at it is I just go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning and I just move on. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, that was yesterday, not not tomorrow. So. Yeah, you got to be in it to win it, right, Randy and everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you, you, to your yeah. point. Just when you think those lows happen, you get unexpected things that turn turn the corner. And uh, mm-hmm. so, listen, uh, Randy Agnes from uh, Agnes Wine Cellars, David Weaver from Apex, um, Polly Guglielmo from Guglielmo's uh, Sauce and Permac, and Matthias West from Faircroft Brauhaus. Uh, just want to thank you guys for all coming in. Uh, it's hard to get a four guys in a, in a room together like this with this much uh, entrepreneurship and ego behind them and, and keep <laughs> things on point. So uh, we probably could have kept this going for two more hours. But um, yep. on behalf of uh, Freedom Biz Now, Freedom X Sanitizer, and then also the Startup Summit Rochester, hopefully we can bring the live event back in uh, 2021. Thank you, everybody. Thanks to Scott and Rockbox Studios. And we appreciate everybody's um, participation and tuning in. Thank you. Until uh, next time. Thank you. Thank you. Today's show was brought to you by Freedom X Sanitizer for Business. Keep your employees, customers, and clients safe with Freedom X Sanitizer for Business. Visit freedomxsanitizer.com. These guys make podcasting sound easy. Actually, it is easy. I'm Scott Fitzgerald, founder of RockVox Recording and Production, Western New York's very first podcast studio. I've been working with podcasts since 2005, if you can believe it, back when it was a real pain to produce one. Now, it's considerably easier, which means it's also easier to mess it up. 
Get professional audio, video, and support from me and my team on whatever you're working on. Podcasts, vlogs, filmmaking, voiceovers, whatever you need, we've got you covered. Use coupon code F-R-E-E-D-O-M, that's FREEDOM, to save 15% on a full 10-episode season of podcasting here at RockVox. RockVox Recording and Production Studios, rockvox.com.